This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Millennial 718. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. On today's episode, we're going to talk about what Facebook decided to do about Donald Trump's Facebook accounts, new info from Pew 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 on how we feel about America's identity, some breaking and major news about the Golden Globes, and more. The new game with this intro, this preview of the show, is going to be getting it done before the theme song ends, I think. (laughs) That time it ended perfectly. Then in After Dark today, I'll share some good stories about my mom's visit to Vegas. She just left this morning. And we'll take a quiz to determine if we're difficult to get along with. Yeah, it'll it'll definitely be interesting because I, I definitely wrestled with questions on the quiz, as I'm mm-hmm. sure y'all did as well. Um, but providing uh, a post-second vax update for me, um, I'm well beyond the two weeks after getting dose number two of Moderna, which meant that this past week, this past weekend, I was able to do things. Um, I got to get together with friends. It's so sweet. <laughs> um, and actually hang out and hug my friends. Um, we were able to do Mother's Day with Mark's mom and my mom. I got to give Mark's mom a hug for the first time in forever. Uh, my brother got to come visit there'll for Mother's music, Day. There'll be music. There'll be light. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, you're good. I got to hug my brother for the first time in over a year, um, which was like way more impactful than I thought it would be. Like, you know, it's just a hug, and it doesn't seem like it would be that big of a deal, but you really feel it. It really hits. And I think Andrew, you yeah. probably felt some of this with your mom too. But yeah. There was like this nervous anticipation. Yeah, but it was just wonderful. And I mean, of course, it doesn't mean that life is 100% back to normal, but it felt really good. Really, really good. It's just extra motivation. Yeah, that's good. Speaking of getting back to normal, um, I've been telling everybody on the show, we're going to get back to normal in all the ways very quickly. I saw something, though, at the airport last week when I was picking my mom up that frustrated me. I'm waiting for my mom to come down the escalator. And, you know, at that point where, um, you know, everybody meets the people they're picking up, you know, everybody's gathered around and the the uh, the drivers are there, like the chauffeurs, people who are picking up people in limos and whatnot. A chauffeur greets the person that they are picking up. And remember, you know, a chauffeur is a stranger. Like, they don't know this person. The chauffeur shakes this person's hand who they never met before. I'm like, already we're we're shaking the hands of complete strangers? I was very shocked by that. If if the chauffeur reached out to shake my hand, I would have been like, I would have put my hands up and been like, hi. (laughs) You (laughs) would have given them like an elbow instead? Maybe an elbow. Maybe an elbow. (laughs) It's kind of crazy what triggers us now, though, because... That would be weird to me, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. I'm I'm glad you had that experience, Laura. I had a really cool experience this past week. We spoke at the end of last week's show about the notable alumni coming out of our high schools. <laughs> and it was notable to me that I was not in the notable alumni section. I Look, I, I have imposter syndrome. I don't necessarily think that I belong there. However, one of our listeners, Justin, decided to add me to my high school's Wikipedia page. And I just want to give him a shout out and say thank you for doing that for me. However, I looked again at the Wikipedia page earlier today, and I noticed my name has been removed from the notable what? alumni. What? No. <laughs> You're not notable enough. Who removed you? You think the school went in and removed you? No, no. It's no. these, these freaking Wikipedia mods. I looked in the revision history, and it was somebody, I think, who spends who spends their whole life on Wikipedia moderating. And... 
the problem was that I don't have a page on Wikipedia to link to, and they didn't like Justin's source. He sourced like a podcast award page. Justin, I don't know if you, uh, yeah. Oh, look, it, Justin's saying that I think he tried again to get me added. So anyway, uh, that was short-lived and really funny, and I love that a Wikipedia mod thinks I'm not notable enough. And also, like, get a life, mod. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Mind your own business. You know, there are certainly, there's certainly content on Wikipedia that it is worth being very strict with, but a high school notable alumni list i just right. don't i don't see what the it'd be one thing is. if we were like trying to add a movie slogan to the twilight wikipedia page or something like that like a popular wikipedia page but how many people are hitting the shawnee high school wikipedia page Did, <laughs> at um, least one were you able to see it before it it got taken down though yeah i didn't okay. screenshot what did it, it. Say? Oh, okay i was gonna ask what it had said well justin did write andrew simming king in quotes sims uh, and then something they, about podcasting they urban dictionaried simming king and <laughs> thought this is not what we want our school to represent <laughs> speaking of simming again my mom visited and uh pat said before she came did you hide the simming mug and i just laughed it off and i like just forgot to go and hide it well then you know while she's here she opens up the the uh, cabinet where the simming mug is and i'm like <laughs> in my head i'm like <gasps> can't let her see that she it was upside down and i don't think she noticed but penis was facing her face that sounds weird to say but you know what i mean the the word penis in the definition was facing her later that day i grabbed the mug and i pushed it deeper into the cabinet just like you do with a penis yep push it deep inside <laughs> that penis almost hit my mom's never oh God. no no Gross. no you were taking it you it, that was a bridge too far you should have stopped on the last <laughs> sentence <laughs> briefly i was planning on asking you two if we should get you two added to your high schools but evidently Wikipedia is really on top of every single page. And unless you have your own Wikipedia pages, you probably cannot get added to your notable alumni. Or in Laura's case, you know, get added to a brand new notable alumni section. Right. I would accept this only if it's made abundantly clear that I thought my high school was a dumpster fire of a school to attend. I would want to make it very clear that it's not an endorsement of my school experience there. <laughs> All right, I'll work on that for your high school Wikipedia page. <laughs> Justin, you don't have to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> well, just wanted to plug something that we'll be doing in the days ahead. Um, Pam and I are going to be coordinating a watch time for the final episode of Selena, the series, season two. Um, we're going we're gonna watch it at the same time because there are a lot of feelings and... I have a feeling that we're going to continue having these very, very strong sentiments about this show, not so much in a positive way for the final episode. So we're going to get together and do the variety show where we just break down the Selena series overall, particularly focusing on season two, what we thought of it, um, what we liked, what we wish had been different. And um and yeah, so I think that'll be a lot of fun. Andrew, you're invited too, of course. Um, I don't think you've watched this. <laughs> no, I appreciate you're giving me the option to show up or not appear during this. I'm glad you're not peer pressuring me into it. So thank you for that. But just let me know when you're doing it. And if I'm free, yeah, I'll come yeah. for sure. Uh, I will say it could be helpful to have an outsider perspective because the show definitely characterizes certain events in a way that is like kind of different from how they actually happened. So having your perspective could be helpful in that way, but no pressure. Okay. No pressure. Okay, we'll jump into politics momentarily, but first wanted to speak about Millennials' newest sponsor, Way. There is nothing more refreshing than hitting the reset button once in a while, and after a year of being at home, you may not have had as many opportunities to go out for a trim or just keep your hair taken care of in general. If your hair's a little overdue for some TLC, it's time for the clarifying detox shampoo from Way. 
Pam and I have been longtime fans of Way, so we were genuinely excited when they reached out to sponsor the show. I've been using their leave-in conditioner religiously throughout the pandemic because I've not been able to get a haircut since January of 2020. That product has single-handedly kept my hair hydrated and soft the entire time. Pam and I also received the Way Clarifying Detox Shampoo and had an opportunity to put it to the test. The first thing I noticed is that it smells just as divine as all of their other products, but it was also really easy to massage a small amount into my hair to get plenty of coverage without using too much product. Pam, what did you think of the Detox Shampoo? Oh, I thought it was so good. It smells really great. And also, it's just a really gentle cleanser. I use um, sulfate and paraben-free shampoo in general on the regular. So it's really important um, to just make sure that I'm removing any buildup from um, not using a traditional super sudsy shampoo and also um, from, you know, consistent dry shampoo usage, which I know Laura uses a lot of as well. Yep. And I was just so impressed by how easily it works and how gentle it was on my hair as well. And all of that is what I look for in a good shampoo. So it's nice to have one. Agreed. You can use the detox shampoo once a week to neutralize product buildup, oil, dirt, and hard water from your hair and scalp without removing your hair's much-needed moisture. Plus, it removes frizz and gives a lustrous shine, and their signature Melrose Place fragrance is the bomb. I've legit caught myself randomly giving my hair a whiff here and there because <laughs> it is such a nice smell. Pam, I don't know if you've been doing the same thing, but I just felt like I needed to be honest. Oh, my hair smells so good right now. I yeah. washed it this morning. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I want to come over and smell. Please do. <laughs> when you're ready to undo some damage, hit the reset button with the Way Detox Shampoo. Go to T H E O U A I dot com and use code M I L L to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's T H E O U A I dot com and use code M I L L for 15% off today. Okay. On to some politics now. This also crosses over with tech and pop culture a little bit, I would say. Facebook's oversight board has upheld the social media network's ban on Trump following his inciting of violence in January. But the board said Facebook should reassess their action and make a final decision in six months. So Facebook kind of has their own Supreme Court to handle high-profile cases, the Oversight Board actually criticized Facebook for making up rules as they go along because their rules do not describe an indefinite suspension like the one that they gave Trump. Facebook needs to decide what they'll ultimately do with Trump. The board agreed that Facebook made the right decision at the time and that Trump is an ongoing risk. So my question to you two is, should he be permanently banned from Facebook and Instagram and why? And I say yes for a very simple reason. He has not learned his lesson. He still thinks the 2020 election was stolen from him. I'm going to talk about this in a moment, but he now has his own place to, to post his own tweets. Remember, he's still banned from Twitter, but he has his own social media network sort of now. And just on May 3rd, he posted on this new site, the fraudulent presidential election of 2020 will be from this day forth known as the big lie. He's still complaining that it was stolen from him. He has not learned his lesson. If he got back on Twitter and Facebook, if they allowed him back, he would be saying these same things. He would be riling up his supporters and a January 6th could happen again. I agree. I honestly think, and this is a pretty dark place to go, I think another January 6th is going to happen just based on the way we're trending right now. The fact that we still have um, sitting members of Congress who aided and abetted the insurrectionists um, and that there's just been little to no consequences for those people. I think that it really opens up the risk for something like that to happen again. Um, I think, though, that social media platforms have a responsibility to make sure that their platforms are not being used by high-profile individuals to share dangerous misinformation. So, yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with both of you. I think that the 
you know, inciting language, we've already seen a, a fraction of what it can do. And it's dangerous. And I mean, I think it's already dangerous enough that he has a platform where people can go and like stew in his echo chamber of lies. And we don't need that, you know, in a public place where it could be getting out to even more people. And, um, you know, for lack of a better word, indoctrinating them into this um, falsehood way of thinking. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I just I don't think that like the idea of you know, censorship, it, it, there's like no leg to stand on with that argument here. Yeah. So like I said, Trump did launch a site where he can post things. They did tease that he might launch his own social media network. That hasn't happened yet. But this new site is called From the Desk of Donald J. Trump. It's at donaldjtrump.com slash desk. But he posts, it looks like at least a few things a day, just like how he was on Twitter these uh, posts have issues with them. It's kind of clear that he is writing these himself, and these are tweet length. He loves that format, that short message format, probably in part because his brain can't string together very long sentences. But I just find it so sad and entertaining that this is what he's been reduced to, his own site, because he's been banned from two of the biggest social media networks on the planet, three if you count Instagram. Um, and I guess like others too, like Snapchat, Bandom, and a few others. But he was really into Twitter, as we all know. And now he doesn't have access to Twitter, so he's writing on his own basic-ass site. Um, nobody can comment, luckily, so people can't really like congregate here and, and stew in each other's in each other's lies but yes to pam's point you know he is spreading his message still and uh this is going to rile people up and it's very dangerous so yeah i was gonna say i guess like the the only marginally good argument perhaps from letting him come back is that you know twitter can uh slap a um you know a banner on his tweets alerting people to the fact that it's false claims. That's true. You won't find so, that on DonaldJTrump.com yeah. slash I hate to say it, but like that would probably be the only reason why. Like if it, if it meant like he didn't have time for this other site and Twitter could still call him out on his bullshit, then yeah. it might be a good reason. Oh, if, if he was allowed back on Twitter, he would dump this stupid site so quick. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, at Twitter's least, like, his true love. At least it's there, right? And y- right. Y- your hope is that people click on that or, or they subconsciously take that into account. I have another big question, and I'm serious about this. Can Trump run and win in 2024 without the big social media networks? The New York Times noted in reporting on, on what Trump's been up to lately that he needs Twitter and Facebook for fundraising. And Team Trump was actually kind of shocked when Facebook didn't allow him back in last week. Can he win again without them? Yes. I think that we should not go into this next election cycle with any level of hubris about what we think he can or cannot accomplish. Because as we saw in 2016, many of us were surprised by the outcome of that election. I would much rather go into this assuming the like preparing for the worst so that we can be prepared to do anything within our power to ensure that that doesn't happen. Um, I don't want to go into it assuming that the cake is baked at all. Cake is baked. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That was a famous quote from Robbie Mook, actually, Andrew. He said that two weeks before the 2016 election. Oh, my former crush. Yep. Who let us down. (laughs) What do you think, Pam? Can he win without them? I don't know. I think it really depends on, like, how many people are still upset about, you know, his huge loss and how many people are still feeding into this idea that it was, um, you know, a a rigged election. He doesn't not have the numbers, you know, so I think it just depends on how, how much they keep that core fan base riled up and how many more people they bring in. I will say that Twitter and Facebook gave him unmatched visibility that he won't get from this new website. I don't see, you know, even before this Twitter ripoff site, he was releasing statements on his official site 
And I don't think the media was largely covering them. I think maybe on occasion they would, but we remember the early days in 2014, 15, 16, when they would cover a lot of what he tweeted. And I guess he they did too, leading into 2020. So I, I really do think that not being on Twitter and Facebook will impact him negatively because he can't spread the mes- the message the way he wants to. And that's where the people already are. That's where his fans are, mainly Facebook. We all have that family member who's addicted to Facebook, getting all their information about the GOP, QAnon, anti-vax info, all from their Facebook feeds. And it's so dangerous. So without him on these platforms, they're not being fed that information in the same way. They are from some websites that they follow. But I think it's going to it's going to make it a lot harder to run in 2024. He just needs to be there. Yeah, I think that in a lot of ways, the damage has already been done. You know, I think had he not been given so much free publicity in the lead up to the 2016 election um, and such little vetting because nobody took him seriously, he might not have won that election. We'll never know. But. I just feel like the impact of what has been done will always be here with us as long as he's alive. Um, <laughs> I think I think that he's a liability, genuinely. Um, yeah. It may be harder for him, but that doesn't mean that they aren't going to find new and creative ways to fundraise. We saw this even after the last election. They were fundraising, claiming that they needed to pay off campaign debts. Oh, yeah. And that was a huge scandal. So who's to say they won't try to do something similar in 2024? And he still has all that money. I was reading about that money the other day because Rudy needs it because we haven't spoken about this, but he, uh, the FBI raided him and now he's in a world of shit. And of course, we do have to remember that Trump, we've we've spoken about how depressing this is before. He received 74 million votes in 2020. 74 million people looked at Trump's four years and said, I want more of that. That is extremely depressing. Yep. I do feel like Facebook will hold up the ban and make it permanent because, like I said, he clearly has not learned his lesson. He remains a threat to society. And, well, Laura, I hope you're wrong about another January 6th happening. Obviously, you hope so, too. I hope I am, too. (laughs) I would love to be proven wrong about that. And I assume when you mean that, you also are implying that it it could take a different form. It might it might not necessarily be on the U.S. Capitol. It could happen. Right. No, I don't think it will necessarily be the same. I think that the January 6th insurrection was in a lot of ways a test run. Hmm. And I like that sounds ominous, but it should, yeah. quite frankly, because there has been so like it's just been not it's not been addressed Individuals who went, private citizens who took part have been arrested. But what consequences have there been for people like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley? Right. Nothing. Nothing. Nope. You can get away with so much as a Republican right yeah. now. Think about uh, Matt Gates. You know, oh he's in a world of shit right now. Can we Nobody's... talk about the mass irony of the fact that he's allowed to hang around, but House Republicans are trying to kick Liz Cheney off of her committees. Because she stands by her thoughts on Donald Trump. Yeah. Unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. And this is, again, a situation where, you know, Mitt Romney is actually on our side on this issue. And we're like, I agree with Mitt Romney. This is so I weird can't believe it's come to that. I know. I like him, sort of. Yeah. It's very oh, bizarre God. to think, like, I never envisioned myself viewing Liz Cheney as a tolerable Republican. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on, we're going to play a round of the number. This is based on a new study out of Pew Research Center, which everyone knows is my favorite. Um, Pew found that views about national identity have become more inclusive in the United States and the West in general since 2016. So I'm going to read through some um, pairs of statements. And I'm going to ask the panel first to state which statement they most agree with. And then I'm going to ask you all to guess what percentage of U.S. participants chose that option. 
Okay. All right. Our our first pair of statements um, has to do with uh, traditions. The first one, our country will be better off if in the future it sticks to its traditions and way of life. The second statement is our country will be better off in the future if it is open to changes regarding its traditions and way of life. So first, panel, if you were taking a survey and presented with these two statements, which one most closely aligns with what you believe? The latter, uh, obviously. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, come on, we're not assholes. Here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Everybody just signs off from this live stream and we're done with Andrew. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> okay. Now I want you all to guess what percentage of US participants said that they think the country will be better off if it sticks to its traditions and way of life. I'm going to say this was a party line vote. So I'm going to say... Uh, just to mix it up a little bit, I'll say 55% said this one. I'll be a little bit more optimistic, and I'll say 30%. Pam, you were closest. It was 38%. Oh, wow. Isn't I was a little bit shocked, honestly. Yeah. Really, I, I am also shocked. <laughs> I'm pleasantly <yeah>. shocked. <laughs> like Andrew, I anticipated that this would be more down party lines, more half and half, but... There was a a significant number of conservative respondents who did not answer this way. So good news. Yeah. Um, for the next statement, our country will be better off in the future if it is open to changes regarding its traditions and way of life. What percentage do you think said that? Based on Pam's correct answer, I'll say 60%. That's hard. Um, yeah, and remember, not everybody answered like in the survey format. N- not everybody huh. may have answered this question. Um, they might have opted I'll, not to participate. I will. I'll go a little lower. I'll say forty-five. Okay, Andrew, you were actually right. Take that, sixty percent. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was really refreshing for me to see that that. Uh, num- that percentage of people who took part in this seem to be, be beginning to recognize that we're not going to be able to move forward if we're not able to approach our own culture with a level of nuance. Um, all right, next pair of questions. This has to do with um, being offended. <laughs> so the first statement, people today are too easily offended by what others say. And the second statement is people should be careful what they say to avoid offending others. I'm wondering if given this choice, what would you both pick? You know, this might surprise people, but I actually, I think I agree with both of these to an extent. Me too. I do think people get a little too easily offended by what other people say. Uh, but similarly, people do need to be careful about serious, seriously offending others. There's a line there. Yeah, so it, I feel like... The idea of this is much more nuanced than just picking one or the other. And that's the problem. Um, But I feel like I would between the two, I would have to go with the second because I just I just feel like the first option is what people say when they don't have any tact at all. And I don't think that that's necessarily like the best way to go about things, you know? Yeah, I think that's where I ended up falling on this, too, because like Andrew said, I if I'm approaching it with a nuanced view, I think there are arguments to be made for both. But at the end of the day, it doesn't hurt me or cost me anything to be conscious of other people or at least try. You know, we're human beings. We're going to fuck up sometimes. Um, so for this first one, people today are too easily offended by what others say. What percentage of U.S. respondents do you think chose that option? Because even us feel this way. I think it's like everybody on the right and then a certain percentage of people on the left. So I'm going to say 75%. I'm going to say 60. All right. You were both thinking in the right direction. Pam was closest. The answer was 57%. So, yeah. And based on that, what do you think folks said about people should be careful with what they say to avoid offending others? And before you answer that, keep in mind that um, these statements are paired together. So you're being given the statements as a pair and you have to pick which one most closely aligns with your view. I see. 
Okay, so I'll say 35%. Uh, okay, so if I said 60, what did you say, Andrew, 45? 35. 35. Um, I'll say, I'll say um, 40. Pam, you were right on the money. It was 40%. Hmm. People should be careful what they say to avoid offending others. I feel pretty good about that. I feel like yeah. th- this would not have polled as highly 15 years ago. <laughs> Mm-hmm. All right. And our last pair of statements. People are seeing discrimination where it really does not exist or people are not seeing discrimination where it really does exist. Which of these statements do you feel most closely aligns with your views? Um, that one's tough. Yeah. But I I would lean towards the... The second, I hate to say it, but I feel like most people are extremely obtuse when it comes to microaggression. Yeah, I think I would lean that way, too. All I can think about is the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Okay. So for the first statement, people are seeing discrimination where it really does not exist. What percentage of U.S. respondents do you think chose this option? I'm going to say I just keep thinking about party lines, too. I'm going to I'm going to say. 45%. You took mine, but I'll go a little higher. (laughs) (laughs) We can we can match. It's fine. I'll I'll say 55 just to 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 spice it up a bit. Okay. It was actually a good bit lower. It was 36%. That makes me feel a lot better. Yeah, Yeah. this surprised me a lot, actually, because similar, Pam, to what you were saying about the, the question about people being easily offended. I think that there are cases where people like try to go for low, like the low hanging fruit, especially on social media when people are trying to get like that fastest um, like take out on Twitter. And mm-hmm. it's not helpful because there are so many cases where it genuinely does exist. And um, it's just it's very distracting and it's not helpful for making people understand this issue. Um, So I thought that this would be higher than what it is, but that's very hopeful. Um, And then in terms of the percentage for people are not seeing discrimination where it really does exist, what would y'all guess for this based on your guesses from the last round? I'll say 55%. Um, I'll say 65. 61%. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. I was really pleased to see this because... Yeah. Sometimes when you're especially being on social media as much as we are, it doesn't feel this way. It doesn't feel like most Americans believe that there is a lot of discrimination that is going sort of unchecked and undiscussed. So seeing this kind of data out of Pew makes me hopeful. Yeah, for sure. Social media is not an accurate representation of the real world. It really is. And I know we all feel that way. It's just natural to when you're staring at it all day. There's a there's a somewhat better world out there if you look in the right places. And uh, something of an interesting note from this, um, and it'll be our final uh, number question for today. Um, coming from Pew, it says Americans are more likely than British, Germans, or French to see discrimination against Christians. What percentage of Americans do you think say there is a lot of or some discrimination against Christians in this country? Definitely That's all definitely got to be more than half. <laughs> That's got to be so high. Uh, I'll say 55%. I'll go a little lower. I'll say 50 It was 47%. So y'all really wow. weren't too far off. I mean, effectively, it's half. I mean, half the U.S. respondents said this. I wanted to check in with the panel, though, and see, do we agree? Do we think that there is discrimination against Christians in the U.S.? Obviously, our experience is all anecdotal. I don't think like in in the same way as there's discrimination against um, some other religions. Mm -hmm. Right. But but I definitely think that that some of it does exist. And then just speaking purely anecdotally, like I grew up Catholic. I'm still I'm not like a practicing Catholic, but I guess I still identify as Catholic. It's kind of hard to to shake that when that's all you've known. Um, and whenever I say that to people, they really like a surprising number of people question why. And it, it kind of feels um, a lot like an interrogation sometimes, which like I don't really mind explaining myself because I get it like the 
the Catholic Church has done some really shitty things. And like, I don't agree with a lot of their stances on things. But I also just don't feel like there's any reason to get that upset over what somebody chooses to believe in as long as they're not trying to dictate how you can live your life because of the religion they believe in, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say um, I've been, as you guys know, I've been very um, open and vocal about being an atheist. And I will say, especially when I was younger, I think that I could be inflammatory sometimes And I try really hard to check myself on that now because I think it's really important to understand that individuals are not institutions. I think that you can be extremely critical of an institution um, and certainly um, most most organized religions (laughs) deserve that, right? But people, individuals for whom it's a part of their culture, I think we have to be a lot more careful about the way we approach them. Unless, of course, as Pam said, it's somebody who's like trying to ram their religion down your throat. That's another case. But, you know, simply just being aware of who, like, read the room, know who's there, and understand that we live in a country where um, most people are religious. So you can probably pretty safely assume that if you're in a room with several people, at least a few of them are religious. So. I think it kind of goes hand in hand with the whole like watching what you say to be considerate Mm -hmm. of other people. Yeah, I do want to say also that it goes both ways, because like, for example, my my stepmom's family is very seriously Christian and they know I was raised Catholic. And like, I cannot count the number of times that they have told me to my face that I like I'm going to be excommunicated because you know, I believe in something like gay rights, for example. That's fucked up. So it's like, it's like, it's funny. um, The way that that those are the kind of people that I think about that hem and haw and cry about, um, you know, being discriminated against when they're Christian, when they're literally trying to gatekeep um, a a sector of like the Christian faith, you know, not doing what Jesus would. Right, exactly. So it's like, oh, it's not Mm -hmm. enough that I'm a good person. Like, apparently, I'm a bad person. If I if I think that these two people should be allowed to do whatever the fuck they want, because they're human, too, you know, right. That's when I have a problem. But yeah, I think what made me more not open, but just like, yeah, I don't care what religion you are is that people need something to lean on a lot of times and they want to lean on a higher power. And I respect that. We're all trying to figure out what we can lean on to get through life. So just from that angle alone, I don't really care what religion you are. It's when you start, you know, you're homophobic, you, right. I mean, the treatment of women, all kinds of things. Trans people. Yeah. You're lobbying to pass bills all over the country that will hurt trans children like that's right. sort of where my tolerance uh ends yeah. very mm-hmm. firmly me too um, or anti-abortion yeah. yeah that's another big one. Oh, that's another big one yeah <laughs> Ooh, <don't laughs> De- definitely i have also been told that i should be banned from church because uh because i'm pro-choice so don't get her started um, she's trying to be optimistic today i am i'm trying <laughs> Yeah, something I I heard somebody make a comment about this recently. Um, it might have been a TikTok, but there are certain um, certain sects of certain religions. Um, I, I'm not familiar with like the full list of them off the top of my head. Um, that believe that if you're not saved or like whatever the equivalent of being saved is in a particular re- religion, and then you die, you go straight to hell no matter who you are, it's just you weren't saved, you go to hell. Um, And so I heard somebody be like, well, if souls are damned until they're saved, then what's your problem with abortion? (laughs) Like, yeah. um, But yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's fine to have critical conversations like that about institutions, but Mm -hmm. you just have to be kinder to people. Yeah. Okay, Pam, there was some big breaking news today concerning the Golden Globes. Yeah, there was. So um, usually the Golden Globes air on NBC, 
but not next year. NBC said thanks, but no thanks to the Golden Globes in 2022, specifically because there has been a lot of backlash uh, towards the Golden Globes and also the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which runs the Golden Globes, uh, with regards to diversity and representation issues behind the scenes. So this has kind of been simmering for a while. And it all started this past February, right before the award show took place for 2021. The LA Times um, published this explosive expose in which they revealed all of this stuff about the HFPA, including that of the 86 current members, there are is not a single black member. Um, and obviously, you know, uh, there is a huge diversity issue as far as who gets nominated for award shows, specifically with the Golden Globes, but also for all other major award shows and also who wins and stuff. So it's just not a good look to um, get a peek behind the curtain to see who these people are that are making the decisions and then realize that no wonder there's no diversity in the actual ceremony. It's because, you know, there's no diversity behind the scenes, which is something that's really important. We should all be, you know, taking into consideration when we're supporting any type of um, entertainment content. Uh, the report also touched a bit on some financial stuff like the lavish gifts that members get as well. Um, it's no secret that Hollywood is like run on money, but it kind of uh, leaves a sour taste in people's mouths when it's kind of written in black and white and you can't really turn a blind eye to it, or at least the public can't. Um, so as a result, on May 6th, the HFPA publicly released reform plans that include increasing the number of people of color on its board. In addition to putting some new restrictions on gifts and payments that members can receive, but it doesn't really seem to be enough for a lot of people that are pushing back. So NBC decided that uh, it's not enough time for anybody to see any actual change, no matter when they start putting these reforms in place. And they decided that they are not going to be broadcasting because of that. And they said that they want to wait and see if there's some real change that comes from the reform plans that are already in place. And they're not the only ones that are pushing back. Actually, interestingly, a lot of uh, major studios are also boycotting the Golden Globes until the HFPA can uh, offer up a better timeline as to when we'll be able to see some visible changes. And a few of those uh, studios include Netflix. Netflix, Amazon, and Warner Media. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this all goes down because the Golden Globes is sort of the kickoff to the the end of the major awards shows. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's kind of a big deal, even though it's definitely not you know as big of a celebration as the Oscars, for example. Yeah, so it won't be happening next year. I think that's pretty safe to say. And it's so last time we spoke about this, I said, why is this all coming out now? I didn't understand why this was a big revelation, because the Oscars publish their voter list. We know who is voting in the, who's a part of the Academy with the Golden Globes. That's actually not the case. And I finally read this uh, L.A. Times report from February, which is how this all started. And man, there's some crazy stuff in here. Like a lot of the voters are very old. Uh, one of them is blind and deaf, which doesn't sound like a good uh, movie critic. NBC said we look forward to airing them in 2023, but I would actually kind of be kind of shocked if that even happens, just because they need to expand their voter pool so much for starters. There are many other scandals. Maybe this could be the end of the Golden Globes. And a lot of movie critics, I think, uh, you know, real movie critics and real journalists would actually kind of welcome that to an extent because the Golden Globes have always been seen as a joke. They've never been taken seriously in in Hollywood circles simply because the the voter group is so bizarre. It's nothing like what the Oscars has. And the Oscars obviously have had some trouble as well. We remember Oscars so white just a few years ago and they are taking steps to fix all that. Yeah, it's kind of ironic because the the whole point of the Golden Globes is that it's run by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. And yet, um, but I will say it's the most diverse uh, pool of red carpet recorders I've ever uh, been a part of. So there's that regardless of the fact that, you know, they clearly have a diversity issue behind the scenes. But it's was... not surprising. It's just. Yeah. Everything in Hollywood is very messed up. So it's like, it oh, is. here's another yeah. case. It's time for a word from this week's sponsor, Public.com, who make it possible for everyone to trade on the stock market in an easy and effective way. 
Public lets you invest in the companies that you believe in and helps you make informed decisions. Unlike most other apps, Public has a social aspect that lets you see what others are saying about each stock and lets you see what your friends are investing in. And Public.com takes the responsible approach to trading. They don't promote risky or gambling-like behavior, offer complex trading tools to beginners, and they don't encourage day trading. And that's for the best. As someone who has traded for a couple years now, I can tell you that it's the long-term investments that have the highest chance of paying off, and statistically, that's true too. And you don't need much money to get started. Public.com lets you buy stocks for any amount of money. Finally, Public.com is creating a new, more inclusive culture for investing. The Public.com community is made up of 40% women and 45% people of color. Check them out. I think you'll appreciate what they're doing and how they'll help you succeed. So go to Public.com slash Millennial to follow me and Laura on Public.com and see what we're investing in. You can start investing today with as little as $1. You'll even get a free slice of stock when you join. Just go to public.com slash millennial to download the public.com app. Valid for U.S. residents 18 and over, subject to account approval. See public.com slash disclosures. This is not investment advice. In some other news, Disney Plus has announced that Loki will be releasing new episodes on Wednesdays rather than the traditional Friday slot that the other Disney Plus originals have released on. Media Twitter was pissed, which cracks me up, because Disney does not release screeners for their original series after the first couple of episodes. What these critics have to do is they have to stay up until midnight Pacific time to watch these new episodes on Disney Plus and then write a review in the middle of the night. They were doing this Thursdays into Friday, so at least, you know, the next day is the weekend. Now, they're going to have to stay up till midnight to watch on a on a Tuesday night going into Wednesday. And then the rest of their Wednesday is fucked because they pulled an all-nighter writing about Loki episode two. Maybe Disney will fix that, but Media Twitter was really not happy about this. They already hated you know, having to stay up all Thursday night to write these reviews. And by the way, like, how sad is the state of the internet where you have to stay up all night to write a freaking review of a, of a Marvel TV show? I'm glad uh, Hypable doesn't torture anybody with, with that kind of uh, directive. But I wanted to talk about why Disney is moving to Wednesdays. There are a couple theories as to why this is the case. One theory is that as we move out of the pandemic, less people may be interested in watching on Fridays because maybe you want to go out and socialize or whatever. And then also, kind of related, Disney doesn't want to release new TV content on Disney Plus on Fridays when they're hoping people go back to the movie theaters and watch movies on Fridays. I thought those were two very good theories. And also, maybe they're just testing the waters. Like, do they have to release everything on Fridays? They'll see how well uh, Loki does on Wednesdays and find out. Find out. Do you guys buy those theories? Yeah. And this is also a good time for Disney to sort of pilot releasing their appointment television shows on a more regular cable type schedule like remember back in the day when we had our appointment tv shows and they weren't uh, on friday nights no never That's yeah where they TV were on, went to die yeah they were on weeknights so i think this could be part of it too i know that netflix releases some stuff on wednesdays um specifically uh reality tv show type stuff uh, that's oh. definitely not in the same league, but they've clearly seen some some type of success with that model. And so I'm wondering if perhaps Disney is looking to see if they can replicate that success. Honestly, I think that um, what would be nice is if Disney moved to like a Sunday 6 p.m. release across yes. the board. Yes. Like, HBO used to do with Game of Thrones, and then you're creating event television that everybody can get online to watch together, and most people yes. are home on Sunday nights. And then sure. you have water cooler fodder for Monday morning. For Monday morning. Water yeah. cooler Zoom fodder for Monday yes. morning. <laughs> well, I've said this before about Netflix. Why don't they live stream, like you're saying, Sunday, 6 p.m. Pacific, live stream it? Let us all like jump into like a kind of a room and then you Netflix press play and we all watch in sync. Why is this not a thing yet? It blows my mind. No, they're not stupid, right? They just don't want to. I don't know. Hollywood also produced the Golden Globe. So maybe they are. (laughs) They're kind of a little stupid. (laughs) (laughs) My only guess 
is that we have seen from time to time when a streamer drops a highly anticipated new show, it can break Netflix or HBO Go. You know, we've seen this happen with Game of Thrones episodes. So my only guess is they're afraid of everybody watching at once and bringing the apps down. But can't you figure this out? The Super Bowl gets streamed live. Other things, like, get it together, throw some money at this and figure it out. So I I agree with that. I also wanted to ask you guys, when do we watch the Disney Plus originals, assuming they come out on Fridays? I see a lot of people staying up late on Thursdays to watch, or they watch first thing on Friday mornings. And to me, that is so stupid. Like, I want to watch a new Disney Plus show at night when it's dark and I can relax. Why do you want to watch at 9 a.m. on a Friday? That sounds so lame to me. I blame that. <laughs> I, watch, <laughs> I watch at 9, on, 9 a.m. on a Friday because it's... But I was also going to the movies at like 10 on Friday mornings. Remember? True. Yeah, so you've been late for like a while. My, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, I really am. Kidding. It's kind of like my going to the movies. Um, I'm a loser. It's fine. No, you're not. <laughs> no. I just... It, it, it's it's definitely it not fun? like... It's a very certain vibe to to watch something so epic in in like the dead of day. Right. But um but you know, I don't know. I I guess it like works out well for work at least because like for example, you know, when the final episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier aired, it was good to have that context because they announced the uh fourth Captain America movie right after, you know, like the next morning at 10 a.m. that was like already big news. So for my line of work, it makes well, that's, sense. Yeah, that's true. For, and also for avoiding most people, spoilers. Yeah, I think for most people, it is the the avoiding spoilers. If they watch it first thing in the morning before they get online, they can still get online at a reasonable hour and participate in discussion. Hmm. I usually just wait till after work on Friday night. Um, I don't check social media when I'm working during the day Friday. So I'm never that worried about being spoiled. Um, and of course, the people I'm working with are sort of on a similar schedule as me. So I don't feel like there's much of a risk there. Being on the East Coast, if I wanted to stay up late and watch it, I'd have to be up until three in the morning. It's crazy. <laughs> Not happening. And again, they maybe do this on purpose because they know less people are going to watch as soon as they release it. So they have a smaller chance of Netflix or Disney Plus crashing. I watch Friday nights with a pizza. I wouldn't have it any other way. I like watching exciting new television with some unhealthy food. And when Loki is released on Wednesdays, I might attempt to wait until Fridays because I'd rather watch with some pizza. I'll watch on Wednesdays. You will? Yeah, I'll tune in on Wednesday nights. I'll probably have to as well because I can't avoid spoilers for two days. People are going to be talking about it. Ugh. Well, we'll see. We'll see if this sticks. We'll see. They might they might change their minds, but I think they have a lot of reasons to move to, you know, to 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 drop the Friday plan as we come out of the pandemic. Well, let's talk a little bit about some social media news. Do you guys know that you can now pay some of your favorite tweeters? Tweeters. <laughs> tweeters. <laughs> Twitter users. <laughs> So I learned about this through um, the Washington Post TikTok guy because he put up a funny tweet that was like, I'm going to give myself my first uh, Twitter tip just to like get it going. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. We used to do that at the coffee shop. You know, you you put like a few dollars in the bottom of the of the jar just to like entice people to leave tips. Yeah, but yeah, because they they look at it and they're like, oh, I'm an asshole if I don't. Yeah, exactly. It's like I got to add to this pot. But I don't think Twitter gives you a rundown of how much money you've made. No, Patreon does. They give you that option. You can have that public, right? Right, right. Maybe Twitter should allow that as well. Mm. Yeah, but then people might not be inclined. They might say, you got enough. We're, right. we're trying what to I fear eat about... the rich, not fund the rich. That's what I fear <laughs> about Patreon. That's why we hide the 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 money amount, but we keep up the number of patrons. But you can hide that as well. It's all about forming a community. I think that's what yeah. Patreon is thinking by allowing... Well, I think t- Go ahead. Twitter's probably thinking the same thing uh, because they're definitely trying to keep creators... Uh, you know, putting out content on their platform, and it's getting aggressively harder to to maintain, 
you know, an audience of of, uh, of commentators, especially when there's so many other social media platforms out there that you can go to to utilize to get your message across. Um, so Twitter's new feature is called Tip Jar, and it allows users to add links to their Venmo, Cash App, and PayPal so fans can throw a little money their way if they are enjoying the content that they're seeing on there. I guess in practice, this isn't really anything new because uh, I'm sure you guys have noticed as well that anytime a tweet goes viral, people will, you know, add to that thread and say, let me just drop my cash app or let me drop my piano right. or something I've like that, that or let me like wow, promote something viral. that I'm a sponsor for. Yeah, exactly. Um so this is just kind of more of an aggregated way to do that. Um and currently it's only available to select users. They've only turned it on for I believe uh nonprofits, some uh journalists and a few other sectors of people. But when it is activated, you'll be able to see the tip jar button over near the follow button on mobile apps. I feel like this sort of definitely reads like Twitter trying to keep up with all of the other social media platforms because, you know, tipping online creators isn't really anything new. Uh, Twitch has been doing this for a long time. There's a built-in tip feature on there for streamers. Um, Similar but different. You know, we've talked before about certain uh, platforms like YouTube or even Apple introducing their own built-in Patreon-like services where people can, you know, um, fund the creators that they enjoy. But one cool thing about Twitter's tip jar is that Twitter won't be taking a cut of the money should a fan use the links provided to tip that creator. So that's kind of nice. Yeah, it is nice. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You listening Patreon? <laughs> <laughs> right or apple right as we discussed last week right. they're taking what a 30 percent cut or 15 percent if you're lucky the roll already hit a snag though users discovered that if you send money via paypal it actually discloses your home address to the recipient by default great uh, twitter has uh, uh clarified that this is a paypal issue not a twitter issue uh but they are they said they're going to be updating that option in the in-app notifications so that It'll make it clear to people that some of their personal information might be disclosed should they choose that form of payment. So that is uh, where we are with Twitter. And uh, perhaps someday soon, you too will be able to add a tip jar to your Ooh, I can't wait. I think the address issue is a big one because Mm -hmm. we know that some creators are some real creeps. I see a situation where a creator might have a crush on one of their fans and want to wants to take advantage of them and boom there's their address. Hey, so I see you live in St. Paul. I go there all the time. Maybe we should hang out sometime. I might actually tip a comedian from time to time because I follow a couple of comedians on Twitter like the Twitter comedians, the people who have big followings on Twitter because they're funny. No like big brand names, but like the the smaller guys i love them they make me cry laughing sometimes with some of their videos that they release on twitter so i can see myself maybe tipping like a buck just because they gave me a good laugh outside of that i don't see myself using this or maybe if it's a really good thread from somebody a really good informational thread yeah you know i've seen some um some journalists talking about some journalists talking about turning this on because you know a lot of those uh, print journalists specifically don't really make a lot of money and they're out there, you know, really putting out some um, some informational reporting and stuff like that. So it might be a nice way to, um, you know, to to throw a couple of bucks somebody's way if they say really walked you through um, something major that was happening current event wise. And you appreciated the help. But yeah, I think similar to you, Andrew, if there's a creator, a comedian, or even like an indie journalist or a podcaster that I really like that does work that I appreciate that really resonates with me. I might do it from time to time, but I don't see it being a recurring habit. And now it's time for a word from one of our most helpful sponsors, Honey. Honey keeps money where it belongs, in your pocket. We all shop online and we've all seen that promo code field taunt us at checkout, but where do you find some good promo codes? Thanks to this week's sponsor, Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. They support over 30,000 stores online and it could not be easier to use. You just install the free plugin and forget it. 
Then, when you go to a checkout page, Honey will spring to life and hand you the promo code that gets you the biggest savings. I've saved money on so many things since installing Honey a few years ago. Most recently, I was looking for a bag for my camera, and while going through checkout on Amazon, Honey knocked and gave me a promo code, saving me a few dollars that I wouldn't have otherwise. Honey has found its over 17 million members over $2 billion in savings. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. It's literally free and installs in a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast. I would never recommend something I don't use, and I use Honey all the time. So get Honey for free at joinhoney.com M-I-L-L. That's joinhoney.com M-I-L-L. All right. Well, that about does it for this week's episode, except none of us made recommendations and none of us have one in the doc oh, here. Oh, <laughs> shit. Think you're right. We all forget. <laughs> I think so. I think we Let did. Let me see if I can think of something real quick. Shit. Uh, I actually have one. Um, okay. Uh, Trader Joe's has these cold brew popsicles and <gasps> I bought a what? box and they're really good. Yeah, they're good. like they're like tiny little pop. They're not like the double large popsicles. They're like the little ones. Uh, but there's definitely a lot of caffeine in there. So don't go eating them, you know, late at night if you're really susceptible to caffeine. Uh, but they're really good. So I would recommend those. I think they're $1.99 a box or something like that. Nice. Um, I don't know the name of this drink, but I'm going to recommend the ingredients. So my brother, is, uh, he was for a former bartender. Um, so he's really good at coming up with custom drinks. He made one for Mother's Day that was whiskey, port wine, soda water with a lemon twist. And it was really good. It tasted like alcoholic cherry Coke. Yum. Guys, I don't have a recommendation this week. I can't. I'm trying to think of something. Recommend really something, Andrew. <laughs> what is something that you like? Well, I was watching Shark Tank last night, and I ordered this new supplemental oxygen to go. And uh, I guess I can give an early recommendation to that. I haven't used it yet. So, like supplemental oxygen to go are you getting yeah. an oxygen tank no like, what do you no no this was on shark tank like i said and uh i just i was like that sounds cool let me give that a try because did you know when you breathe in air right now only about 21 percent of the air that you're bre- that you're breathing in is oxygen the rest is oh. nitrogen so you 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 suck on this and it's a hundred percent oxygen and Apparently, this gives you an energy boost. It's great during hikes, after you work out. Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank said, I don't drink coffee in the afternoons anymore. I just inhale this. I will say when I was in college during finals week, they used to have a pop-up oxygen bar that we could use. And I always did it for the novelty of it, but I never understood why I felt better after I used it. I thought it was like a placebo effect. Yeah. Um, but some of these pop-up oxygen bars have flavored oxygen. Yes. So like this company yeah. does this too. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. interesting. I'll have to check it out. I just pasted a link in the Discord and I said hundred percent oxygen, it's ninety-five percent. But, you know, still a lot better than the air that you're currently breathing in. So I'm going right. to try it. It's, I... it's like getting Pfizer or Moderna, you know, <laughs> better than 95 is better than nothing. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> update everybody after I get this within the next week. Yeah. So we just wanted to um, give a plug to our Patreon, which you can access over at patreon.com slash millennial. Um, today's episode has been sponsored by listeners like you, and we wanted to give a shout out to our latest patrons. They are Tara, Joan, Denise, and Uyun. However, I want to point out that I looked up the pronunciation for your name, and I was given two different recommendations. I got either Uyun or Wen. Um, so please, I would love to know what your preferred pronunciation is because we at the show try our very best not to be ignorant assholes. Um, <laughs> so please let me know if one of those was right or if neither of them was right. I'm very interested. Um, but thanks to all of our patrons who support the show. That includes... Uh, folks who are with us right now live in the Discord. It's always so much fun getting to connect with y'all, and we are so grateful for your support. Definitely. And we do this on video, and everybody can watch us. It's so much fun. 
We also have After Dark, and coming up today, I have some stories from my mom's visit to Vegas. I've got three good little stories for everybody, including one that I feel very bad about still. I feel very guilty. I did something kind of bad to my mom, and uh, I can't wait to tell you about it. <laughs> I shouldn't say it with you a smile. You did something bad to your mom over Mother's Day weekend? I know. Isn't that fucked up? I, You're a monster. That's why I feel extra bad. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That'll be at patreon.com slash millennial today. Thank you, everybody, for your support. It means the world to us. If you have anything to say about today's episode, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. Also, follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks, everybody, for listening to today's episode. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, Bye. everybody.